Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is our fourth and final week of Empowered, our series on spiritual gifts. This week, Pastor Mike will be teaching from Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Also, we had some issues with our slides this week, so if Pastor Mike sounds distracted at times, that's why. Well, thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Now, we've studied this... um this whole section of our, our study in Ephesians empowered. And as you can tell from the intro video, um, you know, we're building off this superhero, uh, superhero theme. And part of that is we're moving into the summer movie theater you know, season and you've got all these superhero movies. And, but it's not just that. Um, what we're dealing with is there's actually something taught here that I think is significant to be able to understand and to, and to apply. You know, when we think of a superhero, what do we think of? Well, somebody that has a supernatural ability and who not only has that ability, but, but uses it in some significant way to serve humanity. That's the heroic side of it. They act in a heroic way. And, and we're driven to the story, I think, for a reason. There's a reason why these things are so popular. I think part of it is that we look at that and part of us wants to be the hero. You know, we want to be the person in there that, that if we think, boy, if I had abilities, what would I do? Would I be able to serve humanity? Would I be able to thwart the evildoers? And, and would I be able to act in a heroic way? We're drawn toward that. You see that especially, I think, with kids. I mean, all of us that have young kids, I mean, if you remember, I mean, they wanted to dress up like Superman or Spider-Man or, the, you know, Wonder Woman. They wanted to dress up as the superhero. And I think it wasn't just about this thing of saying, well, I want to have the superhero strengths. No, they wanted to be heroic. There's part of us that wants to do that. And yet now as adults, we look at that and we say, well, we know as adults that superheroes aren't real and, you know, that's fiction. But let me even ask in that, what is a superhero? Well, the first part is we might say, well, super, well, the superhero, you know, super part is that it's somebody that has these abilities that, that are unnatural, that go beyond humanity. And, um, and, and we say, okay, well, okay, let's, what does the Bible say about that? We've been studying in Ephesians 4 that, that our, Bi- our Bibles teach that all of us as followers of Christ have been given God's Holy Spirit that indwells within us. And literally, the Bible says that God gives us what it calls spiritual gifts, And these are abilities that are really expressions of God's spirit, of God's power that he wants to work in us and through us to be able to serve our our church, to be able to serve our culture. So there's a sense that we could say that we are given divine powers, supernatural powers. Now, it's not anything that is uh, dramatic or conspicuous as flying or climbing walls or super strength but there's still something that is real, that there's strengths that are not natural. Well, okay, how about the hero part of it? Well, what is a hero? When we think of a hero, it's not necessarily someone who is, gets public recognition. We all know that there are heroes that don't make the papers. Uh, you don't need a movie made out of you. Well, what is a hero? It's, a hero is someone who saves other people's lives, figuratively or literally. It's someone who is self-sacrificial and gives themselves to other people in such a way they make a substantial difference in the lives of other people or in the lives of the culture. Now, let me ask you to think for a moment. Think about your own life. Are there people that have made a substantial difference in your life? Most of us can think of a handful of people. Can you think of three or four people that you would say, well, these are people that, boy, my life is different because of their involvement. 
And maybe they were there in a crisis. Maybe they literally saved your life or they helped save your marriage. Your list probably includes people that were influential in helping you grow to become the person that you are, that you're different because of their involvement. Now, do you have a couple names in mind? Now, let me suggest that those are people who have been the real-life heroes of your life. They are the people that have given self-sacrificially, and in their investment in your life, they have made a substantial difference in your life and probably other people's lives. As a result, they probably have made a difference even to some degree even in the culture. That is by very definition of what the heroic is. Now, I would guess they don't wear a cape. Uh, they're more like Clark Kent than they are like Superman. Now, I say that because I've asked people this question. I've been in groups of, of, of people in a room, and I've said, okay, think of these people, and, and well, tell me who they are. And it's interesting, they'll start talking about these four or five people, and, and they'll often start to tear up as they talk about them because of the influence that they made. And, and they're ordinary people. They're ordinary people that were maybe there in a moment of crisis and, and helped save you from you know, doing something incredibly stupid, or literally save your life. And, or maybe it was that person that walked with you through the hardest of times. They were ordinary people that helped guide you towards church and to saving faith in Jesus. Or they were ordinary people that helped guide you and love you into church community and helped get you involved or lived out the Christian life before you so that you understand what the Christian life looks like. They talked about ordinary people, many of them, that taught Sunday school or a Wednesday night program. When they were children, people that influenced them and gave of themselves and lived out their Christian life in such a way that they say, well, they helped me be able to understand what faith is and make faith my own. And they were all ordinary people. Their stories weren't fiction, but it was heroic, real heroism. None of them wore capes, but they were all, in a sense, heroic, and especially serving in the church with supernatural ability. They were more like Clark Kent, less like Superman. Now, when we talk about this to say, okay, if we're superheroes, there's a sense that this is true. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that I want to come in and wear a cape. That might be cool, preaching in a cape. That might be really cool. It wouldn't be as cool you know, preaching in tights. That's not a good idea. You don't want to see that. You know? So we're not, no, we're not going there. But the idea is there's something here that we say spiritual gifts are this divine empowerment for us to do heroic things. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and, and look at what, some of what is taught here. But the core of what we're going to see this morning is it's really built around this idea that we are the body of Christ. Look what it talks about in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 12. It says, to equip the saints of the work for the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Again, in Ephesians, it says the same idea in verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This idea that we are the physical representation of Christ to the world. Some people have said, that, and it's true, that for many people, we will be the only Jesus that they will ever see because we're living out the spirit of Jesus in a physical way to the world around us. Now, let's look at even understanding what the Bible teaches. We've got to almost step back and understand the idea of the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus and his ministry. You know, that, that as we look at this physical representation, what we're doing, how does it work? Well, we're Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, so let's think about how this all works. The Bible teaches that there's one God, a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, 
Now, we talk about God the Father a lot. We talk about God the Son, Jesus, a lot. We don't talk about the third person of the Trinity that much, the Holy Spirit. But yet, the Bible talks a lot about him. And so we need to understand not only what his role is, how he's involved in our life, and, and how it fits into this whole idea of the ministry of Jesus. To understand that, let's go to John chapter 14. Look at what Jesus said in John 14. He makes this incredible promise that it's hard for us to understand, let alone really believe. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, this is a great promise. That, that it's not only to his believers then, it's whoever believes in me, this is a promise to us, that we're going to do the works that Jesus did, and even greater works than Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, if I came up and I said, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing greater stuff than Jesus, I mean, that sounds sacrilegious. How could I even think of that? And yet Jesus says, that's true. Now, how do we understand that? Well, look at what he says again. Truly, I, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works, Why? There, there's something there about a why. There's a because. Because I am going to the Father. So there's something that he's going to do, going to the Father, that's going to enable us to do these greater works. Go to a couple verses later, and he explains it more. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so he says, okay, I'm going to the Father, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He calls him this helper. And the Spirit's going to be in you. He's going to dwell in you, with you, that there's going to be a, a reality. And yet there's also something that it empowers us to do these works that Jesus said we're going to do. You go a few verses later in John 16. He says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. For I do go, I will send him to you. Now we say, again, how does it to God's advantage that he goes away? How do I have more of Jesus after he ascended than beforehand? I don't know about you. I've often thought, man, wouldn't it be great to be the disciples, to be there, to hear Jesus, to see him? And man, they were blessed. Yet Jesus is saying, no, we're more blessed than they were. You know why? Because what Jesus is teaching, what the Bible teaches, is that while Jesus was the perfect manifestation of God here on earth, he was and is God because he came and took on human flesh, he laid aside the practice of his omnipresence. And he, at that time, became limited to one place and one time. In, earthly, in his earthly ministry, he was limited in bodily form, so he could only be at one place at a time. So for you to be with Jesus, you had to be where he was. He couldn't be with every believer. So then what we're told is that he ascends into heaven and then he sends the Holy Spirit, who is not limited to one time and one place. He is with us. He is literally within each one of us. And so we're not only now have the Holy Spirit living in us, we're immersed in him, we're baptized in him, and we not only have that, we have the power of the Spirit living in us. That's an amazing concept, but it's behind the promise going back to verse four, or chapter 14, when he said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and even greater works than he will do, because I'm going to the Father. That's how, because we literally have God's Spirit working in us to do the works of Jesus. The idea is that we are literally entrusted to do the continuing ministry of Jesus, that we are literally called to be Jesus here on earth, that we're filled with His Spirit and enabled us to do that. We're not limited to one place like Jesus' body was. We are all over the world. All over the world. This is taught throughout the Bible, but let me even show you one place where, again, it's taught very clearly in the book of Acts. 
Many people not, may not realize the book of Acts is actually part two of, of two books that go together. Part, Luke is the first part. And then Luke continued, and, and Acts, Acts is kind of part two. But look at how he introduces Acts. Let's go to, to Luke first and see the introduction. He starts off, insomuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished amongst us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, uh, we have delivered, uh, we have, uh, have been delivered uh, them to us. Um, it's, sometimes it's lagging a little bit, so I apologize for the screen here. Uh, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. So he's written, it's written by Luke to this guy Theophilus to give a full account of the life and ministry of Jesus. Now keep that in mind, and now let's go to the beginning of, of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book of Theophilus, which is the book of Luke, written now to the same guy, appealed to, th to, 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 to the same guy, he said, I, be, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he has chosen. Now, here's what I want you to realize. Part two of the book, but what is he telling us about the book? In the first book, O Theophilus, he says, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach up until the day that he was taken up. Now, if the first book is all that Jesus began to do and teach, what is the second book about? All Jesus continues to do and teach. You're saying, wait a second, he was taken up, and so he's not there to do that anymore. And, well, how does he continue to do that? Through his people. After he was taken up, and then he, he gave his commands through the Holy Spirit, and he gave the Holy Spirit, and now Jesus continues his ministry through the power of the Spirit through his people. You might think, but that's the apostles. You know, that's the, well, actually, if you study the book of Acts, it's not only taught throughout the Bible, but it's specifically in the Acts. What it's telling us, it's not just the apostles. It, it doesn't give us the whole story. Okay, now it's done. The way it's written, it's the continuing ministry of Jesus. So in a sense, we are still writing the book of Acts. We are, the, we are, we are to function as the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we are continuing the ministry of Jesus here on earth and we're doing it through the power of God's Spirit working in us. Now, none of us can do what Jesus did by ourselves because none of us have all of God's power. Jesus was the fullness of God. None of us have that. We all have the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives each one of us a part of Jesus' ministry. All, each one of us are to represent part of Jesus. Look what Paul says about this in Romans 12. Just as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not all have the same function, so though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And he continues on in verse 6. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them in uh, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And he continues on and saying, okay, we have these you know, different members, and we have different gifts, and we're all called to use them. And so what the Bible is teaching here is that, again, we are entrusted with the, the ministry of Christ, but each one of us, in a sense, are not only entrusted, but we're empowered, in a sense, to be part of that body. We're entrusted, in a sense, to say, do the ministry of Christ, and you're part of that body. You're part of Jesus' ministry. So we've each been given the Holy Spirit. We're each filled with his presence, which not only... Um, I'm sorry, this is, is, if this is messing you up, I'm sorry, it's, it's not working real well. We, we should be point C. Uh, each believer is entrusted with a part of the body. 
Um, you know, we're filled with his presence, which convicts us of sin, enlightens our mind, so we can understand his word and empowers us to say, um, you know, no to, uh, to sin, yes to God. But we each have been also given the Holy Spirit that empowers us, that he seeks to, you know, to make his known power, power known in our life, but in different ways. Again, none of us have everything. None of us do everything that Jesus did, but we all have a part. We're all part of the body. And so as a church, when we each do our part, when we're each, you know, filling our part, we're together accomplishing the whole ministry of Jesus. And again, we're entrusted to do this, but we're empowered to do it specifically through what the Bible talks about and calls spiritual gifts. That um, we're not only given the Holy Spirit that guides us, in a sense, that, you know, to, to help us understand the Bible, to live out the walk, to grow in our walk, but it also empowers us, in a sense, gives us something of that divine power. And through this, God then wants to work in us, and he wants to work through us so that we bring the power and ministry of Jesus to, to, to the church in accomplishing the Great Commission. In fact, uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, to each one of us is the manifestation of the Spirit given for the common good. Every one of us, when it says this, the manifestation of the Spirit, what it's saying is that it's literally, um, you know, that it's a... Um, you know, there you go. It's, it's you know, the, the Spirit manifests Himself. He makes Himself known so that we see something about His power that is working in us and through us that literally, you, you want to see what God's power looks like? It's us. The world sees it through us as each one of us says, okay, God, you use me. Now, within that, we're this body. And again, we have different roles. And, and spiritual gifts is kind of this idea that we have different spiritual gifts and these gifts help define what our roles are within the body. Now, if you ever struggle to understand spiritual gifts, uh, you're not alone. You know, some of us might say, okay, well, what is that? I'm not really sure what that is. And, and, uh, and again, you go back even in the early church and you find that the early church, there was confusion about that. First Corinthians uh, is written by Paul to the church in Corinth. And, and it was really written in response to a letter they had sent him about all these issues. They had disagreement, confusion, and he responds to each one and he said, now concerning this, now you asked me about this, concerning that, let me give you some answers. Now as we come into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he spends uh, in time talking about spiritual gifts and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now I know you're confused on this, I know there's problems, uh, but here I wanna make it clear, I want to help you understand this. So there are, this is a hard issue. And so what is it? What is it we're talking about? Well, let's talk about, first of all, even trying to define kind of what the idea of spiritual gifts are. Um, now, we've already seen that, again, spiritual gifts are this gifting of the Holy Spirit, that it's the Holy Spirit coming in and dwelling with us, within us. A few minutes ago, we read 1 Corinthians you know, 12, 7. It's the manifestation of given for the common good. So it's the Holy Spirit making himself manifest within us, working within us, but let me give you kind of even a definition. This isn't from the Bible. It's kind of, you know, as I've looked at this, trying to say, how do I put this out? How do I give a definition? Uh, it's this. It's a significant ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer through which the Spirit makes his power known for the purpose of building up the church and its work. Uh, you know, it's, it's the significant ability. And, and here's what you need to realize, okay? It's a significant ability that's not just to what we have on our own, but it's something given by the Spirit, divinely empowered ability, for a purpose. And so the purpose isn't just for our own benefit. It isn't for, well, I enjoy it. It's always a spiritual nature. 
It's accomplishing something for the, you know, the fulfillment of, you know, the Great Commission, for building up of the church body, um, you know, for, as it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, you know, for the common good. And so there's this, that definition there. But even in that, and I apologize for some of the screens, I, you know, we're, we're having some technical problems if the notes are way behind, I, I apologize. But, um, you know, it, it might be, might be easiest just even, um, if it's not working, just to turn it off. I, you're working it from there? Okay, good. Thank you. So, so what, are, what are, let me give you a second possible definition. Okay, it's, it's a grace gift that is exercised by faith. And so when you look at even this idea of, uh, you know, of, you know, of spiritual gift, it's the spiritual gift, the word there is, is translated spiritual gift in the Bible. It's actually the word charisma. It's a Greek word. And it's actually a combination of two words. It's charis, which is grace, and mania, which is working. So we, we use mania. We say something is automatic. And that's mania. That's self-working. And so charis, it's grace working. Literally, spiritual gift. What is it? It's not something we deserve. It's something that God gives by grace. It's, it's this idea that God works his grace in us and through us. And, and as an expression of grace, he doesn't use the people who are talented that are because of our ability, because we deserve it, because we've earned it. It's by grace. We are saved by faith, grace. We are used by grace. And it's not only something that, that we have by grace, we use by faith. Look at this verse here in, in Romans. For by the grace given to me... Um, you know, I, I say to everyone amongst you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of grace that God has given. Verse 6, having grace that differ in accordance with the grace given us, let him use them in prophecy and proportion our faith. So both times you see grace. They're given by grace and we use it by faith. What does it mean? God gives it as a statement of grace, but it's always, using it as always a statement of expression of, of faith. So when, when we say, okay, God, I want to be used of you, what are we saying? Okay, God, I want to come and I know that you say you want to use me. I don't think I have it. God, I, I don't think I have this ability, but yeah, I know you're saying that you want to do that, but now by faith, because I believe what you say about me more than what I think about my own limitations, as an ex statement, a statement of expression of faith, I'm going to now step out. I'm going to say, God, let me do this, and here, you bless it. It's not a matter of faith, having faith in ourselves. Sometimes people say, well, believe in yourself. You ought to do it. No, I'm not saying believe in yourself. I'm saying have faith in God. And you might say, but here are my limitations. And having a faith in God says that I believe in God's power to use me in spite of who I am more than I believe in my limitations, my weaknesses, all things that I don't bring. So how do we understand? Again, understand if God's called me, if he wants me to use me, he's given that. And but is there a significance? Do we have, and it's this whole picture of the body, is, is, you know, what is our significance within the body? Again, let's go back to Ephesians 4. And we saw this a little last week for those who were with us. In Ephesians 4, Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts. And he anticipates that people are going to come back and say, well, but, you know, yeah, Paul, you're the apostle. You're important. And, you know, we have church leaders who do the important ministry of the church, but I don't really bring much to the table. And look what he says in Ephesians 4. Did God give church leaders so that the leaders could do the primary work of the church? No. Why did he give church leaders? He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's for the building up of the body. 
And then he uses this analogy of the human body. And, and you think about the human body. Think about what this analogy is, okay? You have a few people, the leaders, but it's building up the, the body. We're only doing, the leaders are only doing a little part. The body is made up of, you know, it's over 200 different bones in your body, 650 skeletal muscles. You know, we can have dozens of, of different systems that work in the body. And, and you could, you know, many of them we take for granted. We never even think about them unless something goes wrong. And suddenly when something goes wrong, you know, you realize that they're really important. And, uh, you know, if one part doesn't do its job, suddenly you realize that. I think about you know, my son who's a type 1 diabetic. And how many of you ever think about a pancreas? You're barely even aware you have a pancreas. Well, suddenly his pancreas started, stopped working and he almost died. And if he doesn't take insulin every day now, I mean, it's, it died because you need the pancreas. It's vital. Or how many of us ever think about our arteries? Well, if you had ever, ever had clogged artery, you think about your arteries a lot. Because again, a problem there, or even something as small as your tooth, and you think, well, I'm just a tooth. Well, have you ever had a toothache? You ever had a tooth go bad? I mean, can you do anything when you really have a tooth that goes bad? I mean, it throws all of you out because we're totally dependent upon each other. And Paul says within the church, the church is to be this body that we depend upon each other. And when every person in the church is doing their part, what happens is we function. It's an incredible picture. It's an incredible picture that we're all connected to each other. And, and, and when we're all connected, we're each doing our part. We might think it's a small part, but the fact is then we're being the body of Christ to this community. We're, we're representing Christ well to Northeast Ohio. Now, when Paul's using this analogy, he's again taking what we understand to help us under, you know, to apply. Let me go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. He says this, he says, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Now, what's happening is he's anticipating some people say, but I'm not really that important. You know, because I'm not the pastor, because I'm not the worship leader, because I'm not a teacher, because I'm not this, well, I'm not really that important. And he says, no, if you just say, because I, I'm not that, you know, you might look at it and say, well, the hand's more important. Well, the foot's important too. And you can't say just because I don't have what I think is that important that I'm not that, that significant. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, do not belong to the body, that would make it not, not make it any less part of the body. You know, that you look at it and say, just because I don't feel that valuable, it doesn't make you less valuable. No, every part is significant. Every part plays an important role. And if any part isn't doing its role, the whole body suffers. That's what he continues in verse 17. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of he hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, uh, or an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? As it is, God has arranged all the members of the body, each one of them just as he has chosen. All of them are vital. Everyone is significant. Every one of us, you know, might look at it and say, I don't think I'm really that important. No, you are. And we talked about that even last Sunday, that the idea that if you come in on a Sunday morning, you know, it's the people that greet you and the people that, you know, working in our children's ministry and the people in our coffee bar and people that are behind the scenes that we often overlook are the most important of actually welcoming somebody and whether they're going to come back and have a good experience here on a Sunday morning. Even in that, okay, what is my role as a pastor? Well, the Bible doesn't, you know, if you talk about the Bible in a body, we often wonder, well, if I'm an ear, am I an eye, what am I? And the Bible doesn't define that role, and, but I thought about what is a pastor. I know what I'm not. The Bible's really clear. I'm not the head of the body. 
The Bible's really clear about that. It talks about in Ephesians 4.15 that Jesus is the head of the body. So I'm not the head. I'm not the one calling all the shots. I'm an under-shepherd of Jesus following him just like you are. And so what role is the pastor? Well, the Bible tells us something of the pastor's role. Again, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 12, he gave pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So my job is not to do the main ministry. It's to equip you to do the main ministry. Now, I was talking with some people even about this, and we're saying, what is the role of the pastor? And someone, you know, kind of, they stepped up and they said, well, maybe it's like the body's nutrition system, you know, that you help, you help, you help us hear God's word and feed it and, and you know, you help, you help feed us in a sense, to digest the, the, the system that it needs. And you know, that kind of sounds, that's, that works, you know, that kind of sounds good. And then I thought about it and I said, but that makes me like the stomach and the intestines. Maybe that doesn't sound as good, you know, and I'm, I'm the bowels of the body and and just as I was thinking that, you know, the, the person continued on and saying, yeah, it's not only you help, you know, digest the nutrition, but you help distinguish between truth and error, you know, to bring out the false teaching. And it helped, like the digestive system, it removes the waste from the body. And I'm like, so my job is to help the body remove crappy teaching and theology? It's like, yeah, I'm the bowels. I want, I want something better than that. That just doesn't sound very good. And now you look at that and you say, I don't know if that's what I am. But I'll tell you, it doesn't sound very good. If you've ever had your digestive system not work, you realize it's really important. Um, and you, we need that. And if that's the role that God has me in, I'm thankful to serve it. You know what role I think I might be too? I think, I think as I thought about it, maybe I'm the nervous system. Not that I get on people's nerves. I hope not. Uh, but what does the nervous system do? The nervous system helps the body hear the head. It communicates the, the message from the brain so that all the parts know what to do. And that's what I really think probably the best, call, best understanding of my role is, to help you hear the head, to help you hear what God's calling you to do, to help equip you so that you can do the work of ministry, to serve you in that way. Now, in that, we have various types of spiritual gifts, and, and, um, and we're not going to, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about the various lists of spiritual gifts and try to explain each one and we're going to do some of that this evening. So I invite you to come back. If you want to go deeper in that, we're going to do some of that this evening. But I, let me do a little bit, just an overview. It's interesting that the Bible gives us numerous places, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, you know, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter, uh, several places where it lists different gifts. Nowhere does it give us a complete list of gifts. They're, they're all partial lists, and they're all different. And I think that's really important for a significant reason. You see, I think that God intentionally didn't give us a complete list anywhere because he's trying to teach us something by not doing that. I think he's not trying to say, here are all the gifts and try to understand it, and this is exactly what your gift is. I think in each list, he's telling us God has given different types of gifts, and here are some of the kinds of gifts that he gives. And even with any of these gifts, it's not a, like a teaching gift. There are a bunch of kind of teaching gifts. There are a bunch of kind of counseling gifts. There's a bunch of kind of hospitality gifts. And, and there are all these different gifts. And he's trying to say, okay, there's a lot of kind of, it's a way broader than we often think. And so then he starts to talk about these different kind of gifts. So in Ephesians 4, he says, well, there are leadership gifts. And, and these leadership gifts, they primarily exist for the equipping of the saints. We can look in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it talks about two different, you know, those who speak, who speak the oracles of God, those who serve, different categories. So you have speaking gifts, gifts like prophecy and faith and, 
teaching and exhorting and evangelism that are listed elsewhere. And you have all these different kinds of speaking gifts where you use your ability to communicate, to communicate God's truth, to help build up the church, to help reach the culture. But you also have what you call serving gifts, things like helping and, and administration and service and contributing and, and gifts of mercy and hospitality. And again, all these, and there's many different forms of these different service gifts where we serve, where we do. And in our doing, we're representing, not in our speaking here, but in our doing, we're doing the work of Christ. We're the hands of Christ in doing the ministry of Christ. And, and we all do something different, and all of it is vital. And what you need to realize is, it's, you know, don't get too narrowly boxed in to say, well, I've got to do this. No, it's, there's all kinds of gifts. In fact, I think there are gifts that are clearly taught in the Bible that we almost never put on our lists. So there are other passages not on these lists that talk about people that are gifted by the Holy Spirit in music. There are other passages that talk about people that are gifted in the Holy Spirit in creative ability. Those are spiritual gifts. Or gifts of intercession and things like that. And what we need to realize is that, okay, there's a lot of different gifts that we can have. But even in trying to understand your spiritual gifts, it's something even deeper. Because you're really trying to get to your design. What is your calling? Your gifts and your calling are an expression of God's design in your life of what he wants to do. In fact, even the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chooses. God has put you in this body. God has given you not only gifts, he has given you calling, he has given you background. And he says, okay, I've done this because, because this church body needs you. This community needs you. This area needs you. You have something unique to offer. And it's not just an expression of your giftedness. It's something that even goes deeper. In, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Literally, it's, we are his poema, we're his poem, we're his masterpiece. Now, when we look at this masterpiece, what you look at, you realize that a masterpiece is made up of a lot. It's not just one stroke. It's not one thing. And when you understand your, your calling, you see, it's all the things that are part of who you are. And your giftedness is part of that. But it's your personality and your background and your history and, and all these different things to say, okay, God has uniquely equipped you to reach people that I can't reach. I mean, I, I, you know, we're even just reflecting on this, this this morning. And I mentioned, you know, we've had the opportunity of working with parents that have special needs kids. We understand that because we've been through that. I had someone come up to me after the first service and wanted to pray because they had lost their son. And, uh, and I, said, I can pray with them, but I know other people that can minister to them in ways that I can't because I've not been through that. I've not experienced that. But some of you have that unique scar that God can redeem. It's interesting. See, when we look at it, and said, ultimately, if we're trying to say, what is my part of the body that God is calling me to do? How do I discover this? How do I understand that if the body of Christ, I want to be Christ to the world? What does that look like? Well, again, we can come back, and tonight we're going to go a little deeper on that and, and study it. But I think that a lot of this is actually way simpler than we often make it. So when we look at that, it's, there's certain things that if we understand this whole masterpiece and calling and design, we, we start by saying, okay, let's start by reflecting on God's design. If you are God's masterpiece, then there's a design that God has given you that is not just your spiritual gifts, but it's everything that you are, your personality, your background, your family, um, your interests, 
the scars that you've had in life that, you know, that God again can redeem. There are all these things that God has woven into your life that make you unique, that make you uniquely beautiful, that make you uniquely useful. So that, again, you can reach people in ways that, that are different than literally anybody else here in this, in this congregation. And we need you. God has put you here for a purpose. But not only reflect on your design, but then also think about your desires and your passions. You know, because when we talk about spiritual gifts, I think if God has called you to do something, and he's gifted you to do something, that at the same time he's given you the desire to do that. That seldom does God say, I want you to do this, and it's going to be something that you hate. Now, just go serve. And, no, even in the whole picture that he talks about it being a gift, it's a gift, it's something that we open, that we enjoy, that, that brings fulfillment. He says, okay, I'm giving you these spiritual gifts, and in that, it's something that when you do it, when you find it, you'll love it, you'll enjoy it. And there's some people that get signed up for church ministry, and it's like, oh, man, I've got to do that. I hate doing it. If you hate doing what you're doing, then let us help you find something else because you're not in the right area. And I know you're willing to serve, but the fact is that if you don't enjoy it, that's not where God's called you. What do you like doing? And some of it might not only be, you know, looking at that, you might be looking at it and say, man, why doesn't the church do this? Or, well, we could be more effective. Hey, if you have a heart for something, maybe that's part of what God's calling you to do. Not only that, but then also when you serve, look at the results, examine the results. You know, look at that and you say, is God using it? If you go out and you try to do something, is God blessing that? Again, sometimes, you know, there have been areas that I've signed up in ministry. I remember even our first church, you know, we had somebody who was really gifted in hospitality and she said, oh, we're going to do this church picnic. And she said, okay, what your job is, your job is to stand there and to collect money as people are coming in. I said, okay, I can do that. And I was there, I had like two cars come in and, and collecting the money, and she comes in and says, you're fired. You know, you're, well, why? Because somebody come by and I'm talking to them for, hi, how are you doing? Get the money. Five minutes later, they drive in. Meanwhile, all these people are driving past me. I don't even notice. I mean, it, you know, you're fired. We want somebody that's administrative that's going to focus on collecting the money, not the, not the encourager that's focused on people. You know, I was bad at that job. There's a lot of jobs that I've been bad at, a lot of things that I've done. And you say, okay, no, God's not blessing that. And there's some areas that I've done that God's blessed. Or some things that I've been, and I like this part, and this part God hasn't blessed. And, and the thing is, is, is you gotta do and then see what is God blessing? Because what God's blessing is probably where he's calling you to. But more than anything else, let me just encourage you to start serving where you're at. You know, look at it and say, okay, I don't know what I'm called to. Okay, well, what's in front of you? What are you aware of? What, and, and, and you say, I don't know if this is where I'm called. Well, the way that you'll find out is start doing it. You know, look for a need to fill. Look for an opportunity to serve Christ by serving his people. Look, look at the things that are kind of draw your attention. And if you're not sure, find out an opportunity. And say, I'll just volunteer for that and see, if, see what you learn through that. Because again, the only way to really learn where God is calling us, to use the, even the illustration that Jesus used of the parable of the talents, he's given us all these talents. It's not until we start investing in these talents, using them, that we start to discover them. And if we start to use them and invest them, you not only discover them, but again, I think God over time is going to multiply them. And so the people that are faithfully serving, what you find is five years from now, they're not only finding that area, but they're doing more things than they ever dreamed. Because God says, okay, if I can trust you to serve with these few things that I've given you, I can trust you with all the more. And I want to tell you, 
as a church, it's exciting for me to think about us being the body of Christ, of reaching this community, of loving each other well, of, of being Christ in this community. But I recognize that that's not going to happen just by me working harder, trying harder, or by getting the staff or the elders to do more. It's going to happen as we all do our part. That's part of what I love about being post-COVID is we get to be the church. We couldn't do that when we're all locked up and separated from each other. And we're here, and God has called us to do that. And, and for many of us, we may know what that is, and for some of us, we don't, but we're going to learn together. And as we learn together, it's going to be amazing what God does in us as he grows us, what he does through us, as we live out what it means to be the body of Christ, to literally do the works of Jesus and even greater things than him. I hope that you'll join me in that pursuit. And that's it for this week's message. If you'd like to get in touch, send us a text to 330-644-6121. If you'd like to go deeper into this study on spiritual gifts, Pastor Mike hosted a workshop live on YouTube that we'll link to in the show notes. We'll have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.